exploring open. It's just an invitation to constantly check in and process because sure, there's so much fun and there's a lot of highlights and the experiences are great, but then they're just experiences if you don't integrate them. Like, okay, did we like that? What do we want to do more of? And you take the best of each experience and that's how you build what you want in your future. And that's how you're in the driver's seat of this relationship by design. I'm Alexa, and you're listening to That Sex Chick, a Soulfire production. Yay, I'm so excited to have another Soulfire production family member on the show. I mean, Kelly and Connor are some incredible people. For those listening that are not familiar, Soulfire Productions, you might see the little banner on my thumbnail for that Sex Chick podcast. Um, it says Soulfire Productions. They are our production company. Kelly Tennant, who is now Kelly Moore, has been on the show a couple of times. She actually, our episode, that's um, Women Who Fuck Women and Date Men which was kind of a gamble. I felt like that was a very edgy thing to name uh, one of the shows, but it worked. It is like, I think our top, it's in within our top five f- episodes of the show. So y'all have maybe heard Kelly come on the show, but anyway, her and her now husband Connor run the production company for our show. And it literally wouldn't exist without them. I can hit record and I can have chit chats with my guests and I can come and do this solo thing. Uh, but if it weren't for them, we literally wouldn't have the show being birthed. We wouldn't have it coming out week by week. And um, and so I have so much gratitude and so much thanks for the work that they are doing. And not just, okay, cool, they're a production company, but the people that they are. I've realized since we started doing business and then became really good friends with them and at their wedding and everything that they are magnetic. They are... Um, they're forces. They are magnets for really good people who are bringing really amazing messages into the world. And I feel so honored that my message that I feel is really big that gets to be brought to the world, of course, through their help and assistance. And very recently, we got an update that some new shows were brought into the Soul Fire production family, one of them being Open Late. And Kelly reached out or somebody on the team reached out and said, Jessica is our new podcast host. She's got a conversation that you need to bring to your audience. And since they know our audience so well, because they're listening to the shows ahead of time and they're helping us produce them, I trust anytime they say, you know, the team says, you got to have this person on your show. And I'm also in awe a little bit about how Soulfire has so many either personal developments or specifically sexual development or relationship by design type shows. And so anyway, this conversation today, y'all, is going to be a subject that you all seemingly never stop salivating for. You really like the conversation about unconventional relationships, consensual non-monogamy, ethical non-monogamy, monogamish, polyamory, open relationships, fenced relationships, unfenced, whatever you want to call it. So 
Here we go. The host of Open Late, Jessica, is going to have a conversation that I'm sure all of you are like, oh, yeah, let me get my pen and paper. Going to send this to my husband. Going to send this to my partner, my wife, my whoever. Um, and let's see what conversations this sperm. So Jessica, thank you so much for being a part of the family, bringing your message into the world, answering that calling, and of course, being on our show today. Oh my gosh, Alexa, thank you so much for having me. And I'm beaming because I feel the same way about Kelly and Connor. Yeah. Like, how is it possible that they have this many incredible people in their community and show hosts? And it has been like this, this deep dive into all my new favorite shows. Like it's been a podcast revival for me to just dive into everyone's content. And I'm really happy to be here because I'm a super fan of that section. <laughs> I love hearing that. Oh my gosh. The other day, I thank you for that. The other day I was talking to a group of, we did like a free community call or something. And I, and I start asking like, Oh, how many of you found, found us on Instagram or how many of you? And like, there's like a third of the people raising their hands. I'm like, where the hell did you find us from? And then somebody in the chat just goes podcast. And I went, Oh, I forgot. Some people find us like mm -hmm. first through the podcast now, which is so incredible because I think, you know, what, what you are doing and what we are doing is revolutionary and it's, ah, I mean, it's still such an untapped market, I think in some ways or a platform in some ways. Yeah, it really is. I mean, there's a ton of shows out there, but there aren't a ton of shows where hosts are consistent and hosts are, I think, educating people on things that they really want to know. And yeah. I mean, we we were just chatting a little bit about how polyamory and open relationships are such a hot topic, maybe in the cities that we live in, because we live in Austin, we live in Los Angeles, but the rest of the world know. Right. And so that's, I'm glad that they have podcasts to, to find us. For sure. And so let's, let's dig in a little bit because I know, you know, the bio information, I have the feedback from the production company and I know generally what your show is about and the message that you bring into the world. And so in some ways I will be learning from you and learning about you as we navigate this conversation along with the listeners, like they will be learning and gaining your knowledge and information and some of your insights and maybe some of the pitfalls that you found along the way in your own journey to getting to doing this work, we're going to be all learning mm -hmm. together. So I would love to hear how, well, I mean, as much as you can, you know, the, the cliff notes version of how you wound up having a show about open relationships amongst many other things. Yeah. Um, well, I think... I think like many people, because I do listen to a lot of other people's work on how they got into the space of like open relationships or, you know, being a sex coach in general. It's like I started out from a Catholic family, super monogamous. And I thought that relationships looked like A plus B equals C. And once I had a slew of really bad, unfulfilling and sometimes traumatic monogamous relationships, I met my husband and we decided that we just didn't want to do things the normal way. We just wanted to create our own way of relationship. And we didn't really know what that meant. We didn't come in and say like, we want to be open. We just said, we don't want to lie to each other. We don't want to create like this distrust. We won't, don't want to deny sort of our attractions to other people. And that's how it started. But it wasn't like, let's have sex with other people. It was very much like, if I see a like really attractive person walking down the street, I, I might want to like say something that way, you know, and I know, and it started to be these little turn-ons that we would like, talk about, you know, in the bedroom. 
and we had a very happy accident. We had a very kind of accidental threesome with a good friend of mine. And that's what really opened us up into the space of non-monogamy or monogamish. We were monogamish for a while. We would do things together that really fulfilled our relationship. And I think similar to, you know, what you share about your relationship with Jordan, it opened over the course of a few years. We didn't rush things. We sort of dipped our toe into what felt good. I think for us, we both came from a space of being personal development junkies. And we had done a personal development course together where we both ended up becoming coaches of other people and really pushing other people and standing for other people to live their fullest lives bled into our lives and every, every area of it. And we started to realize that as we were together for three, four, five years, we didn't want to settle sexually either. Um, and so it was like born out of this, this need in our lives to constantly grow we were like, we, we want to grow in all areas. And so that lent itself to our sexuality. We both traveled a lot for work. Um, luckily, we have a lot of the same kinks and turn-ons. And it was this gradual process. So I think sometimes when people meet me and they're like, oh, you're open and you're polyamorous and you have a full-time third partner, they're like, oh my God. But what they don't realize is this was unfolding over the last eight years. you know, And so how I ended up starting a podcast about it is interesting because I was very private for the first five years of being monogamous and open. I didn't want anyone to know. I was doing it very much from a place of, I want to fulfill myself in these areas, but I hadn't unpacked my shame. Like deep amounts of like hidden sexual shame, my own internalized misogyny and I finally was coaching one too many times. I would find myself in these, um, I would go back to this personal development course and I would mentor coach. And people's relationships were always what brought them into these spaces, always what they were seeking healing for, whether they knew it or not. And I was sitting there and I was listening to a similar story that I had heard so many times of, you know, a, a student or, you know, a participant in this program who had sexual shame, who felt like they were broken. And it was just this one guy in particular who loved his girlfriend. They'd been together for two years, but he felt like a terrible human because he fantasized about other women. And he was so broken up about it. And I remember sitting there, I actually started crying because I was like, I have the ability to be helping people based on the way that I live my life. And that has been some of the most healthy healing experience I've ever, ever had based on my relationship with my husband. And I'm not doing it. I'm staying silent because I'm worried about my own embarrassment or my own shame or what people are going to think. And so about three years ago, I made the decision to like get honest with myself and my community and my family and, and open up. And it was around the time that I met Lauren as well, who became such a big part of my life that I was like, well, there's no hiding this anymore. And that was like its own fun roller coaster journey. Um, but that's essentially what led to the podcast because I started coaching people and I started just opening myself up to that as a relationships coach and having people know that I was not monogamous or polyamorous. And that's what most people would seek me out for then. I was doing all this other kind of coaching, but that became the most popular thing. 
And so finally I was like, how can I reach more people? Because I'm exhausted. I can't yeah. do one-on-ones anymore. Um, and then openly it was born. Oh, fun. So fun. Yeah. I love that so much. So what was the personal development event that you uh, referenced a couple times? So it's a program called Choice in Las Vegas. And I went to it about eight years ago now. And I've gone back and coached multiple times. Um, but there are very similar programs all over the country in the world. Like this. I know there's one in Mexico City. There's one here in LA called MITT. Mm-hmm. Um, there's one in San Diego called Ascension. And I'm sure like that if you just look for emotional intelligence course, yeah. you can likely find one in your city. Kind of like Landmark-esque. Very similar to Landmark. Mm -hmm. Mm, Yeah. So good. Okay. And so you experienced lots of people that were just, their life was seemingly being, well, I don't want to say in shambles necessarily, but it's like the source of a lot of grief, the source of a lot of stress, the source of a lot of um, unfulfillment or complacency or a life maybe not lived to its fullest or shame. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. All over the spectrum, manifesting itself in in different ways, sort of as you're describing And people's relationships really are the cornerstone of, of their life. And so whether it's unfulfilling or it's traumatic, you know, which are very broad ends, there was some level of dissatisfaction across the board for people. Um, and not that being non-monogamous is the answer to that for everyone, but, I think that opening the door to some level of, you know, whether it's just new sexual play or kink, whatever it is, it's totally an exploration that mm-hmm. most people don't even realize that they have access to if they come from, you know, the type of background that I did. Yeah. And I came from that background too. You know, yeah. I, I say Catholic-ish, mm-hmm. meaning yeah. my my mom put me into Catholic school, but nobody else in my family was practicing, but I was in Catholic school. So I just learned they were wrong. <laughs> right. You know, <laughs> and bad. Yeah. And depending on who she was dating or who she was married to at the time, they may or may not have had more Catholic or more kind of Christian influences. And so that then determined whether or not I was going to church once a week or twice a week. Right. You know, and they would kind of like get on and off the wagon. And now that I'm an adult and I look at my mom, I'm like, what the hell did I, why were we pretend Catholics? Like, I'm very confused about this whole situation. Do you know how this fucked me up as an adult? And she's like, I just was trying to give you structure. I'm like, structure? (laughs) Yeah. I felt like my whole life. Shame and guilt. Yeah. I felt like my whole life was a goddamn lie, mom. You know, and I I remember reading, it was Sex at Dawn, that Mm. uh, by, uh, Chris Ryan and Kachilda Jetha. Yeah. And it was somebody, somebody that, uh, you know, a little decent ways into my personal development journey, like within the first year or so where I, I traveled a lot. And so my entrance into personal development was books, book after book after book, because that was all that I could go to. And then eventually I went to a Mind Valley event. I went to AFEST. So it's kind of sounds similar, like choice. And gosh, if I look back, it might be even kind of in the same, sim, similar kind of timeline, like maybe seven or eight years ago. Mm. and wild. And, uh, yeah. And it, it was around when I was like absorbing all of these 
books and trying to grow as a person and meditation and yoga. And I found all these things to help make my life better. But then I couldn't figure out relationships. Like that was the one thing that sex and intimacy and relationship was like all this growth that I had in all these other areas just didn't seem to translate. Like I didn't mm-hmm. know what to do. And so I've, I found that I was, I became very curious about that, but I had someone that I met on my journey that introduced me just to the concept of consensual non-monogamy. I was like, wait, hang on. It was so what? And like, even now that I talk about it so much, I can't believe I didn't hear it even. Like I got to my late twenties and it was like consensual what, Mm -hmm. you know? And he was like, here, read this book. It's like a 22 hour audio book. Sex at Dawn, I couldn't stop. And it was when the book finished was the first time that I said, I'm no longer going to associate with this. Like, I'm no longer going to associate with this way of being, this way of doing. I'm no longer going to guilt myself or shame myself. I'm done. Um, Because even still with all of the growth and stuff, I still had this like little voice in the back of my head. that's like, what about God watching you? And Mm -hmm. what about this and that and the sins and the, you know, and all this. And then eventually... I started leaning into like, people do this differently all over the world. There's no way that like the, the, the box that I'm trying to force myself into or trying to wiggle myself out of, or like, there's no way that this is the only situation that is playing out all over the world. And so it's just, um, kind of cracked me open really just even just learning about it cracked me open. Not, not, not that I even now needed to go have non-monogamous or polyamorous relationships, just learning the information that other people love and live differently according to what works best for them all over the place. And it's people that have done the work to know what's best for them. Because Mm. there was even a time where I'm like, you don't know what you're doing. You're fucking your world up. And I'm like, well, all of my monogam, my serial monogamous relationships weren't doing me any favors. Granted, they've led me to be the person who I am today. So they have been playing, they did play a really significant, beautiful role, but like, whoa, those were dumpster fires. You know, and those were monog- and I use air quotes, monogamous relationships, right? Where there, where there was um, infidelity and cheating and lying mm-hmm. and all these things. And, you know, and I so resonate with you. You got with your husband and are like, I just want to do this. I just don't want to lie. Yeah. I want to tell the I truth mean, with you. That's literally, and I, I almost didn't realize that that's what I was calling in. But when I look back, it all makes sense. You know, mm-hmm. everything is always hindsight in 2020. The relationship that I was with right before my husband, the, the long-term monogamous relationship was such a dumpster fire when you say that. Like I was trying to be like open and sexually adventurous, not with not opening up, but let's do some kinky things. Like maybe we can role play. Um, and it was like a hard no always. And then come to find out he was actually a sex addict and like sleeping with tons of other women. And like, I found out because I found videos, it was absurd. And I was like, not a snooper, but the relationship had gotten so bad and so dire that I was like, something's wrong. Something has got to give because we were doing all the things, you know, Mm -hmm. therapy and trying to be supportive. And is there a hormone imbalance here? Because he never wanted to have sex with me. And that's like, that's monogamy for you. Yeah. For a lot of people. Doing it in secret. Yeah. And so I think that it was such a um, kind of like a radical stopping point for me where I was like, I don't want this. Yeah. Like, I don't want to be unfulfilled. I don't want to be sacrificing my own pleasure anymore. And I didn't even really knew what that meant at, right. like, at the time I was like 27. Um, and so stepping into this with Pasha was more out of a place of like, I just want to do it differently. 
I don't want anybody to know about it, but let's try these things and see where it ends up. But my first introduction, like you're saying, you know, the book was like, I had heard about swingers and the lifestyle. Right. And I was like, oh, I don't like that word. That word's kind of yeah, gross. Don't it weirds do, me they're out. the ones that put the upside down pineapple on the door. Yeah. You know? <laughs> and it just felt like this weird, like orgy culture that I wanted <laughs> no part of. Yeah, yeah. And so that's why I think I was so private and so ashamed of it for so long. Um, rather than coming into it of a place of like, oh, consensual non-monogamy, like let's do this consciously. Now I am in that place. But in the beginning, it was like, let's try this on and like, we'll like it in secret and we'll do it for a while. But it wasn't like this conscious decision, if that makes sense. Yeah. Um, yeah. But I'm, I'm glad it is now. I remember saying if like to when I thought that Pasha wanted to open and like kind of see other people, we were spending so much time apart. I was like, if you think we're just going to have an open marriage and this is going to be a free for all, like you have another thing coming. <laughs> and now I'm like, if you ever want to talk about closing our marriage, like long-term, that's going to be a problem. <laughs> yeah. I mean, not like we, and we have closed our marriage when things have gotten challenging, but you know, it's, it's always a conversation that's on the table. Um, but now I couldn't imagine my life any other way for the wow. long term. Okay. Yeah. So that like last little chunk of stuff that you just said, can we double click on all that? Cause I feel like I'm trying my hardest to like put myself in the position of the listeners. And I imagine them going, hang on, wait. So how did they try that for the first time? Like, what did it look right. like when they tried that for the first time? And then she said, okay, well then they went back to closing it and then back to opening it. And now then she's now mm -hmm. saying like, it would be challenging to even close it. Well, because what I hear in all of that is that it's cycles and you're, yeah. you're going through life in a relationship, transforming on an individual level, your partner transforming on an individual level, your relationship evolving and then it's collective, you know, like your collective consciousness evolving. Cause I go like really meta really fast. I'm like, oh, mm -hmm. okay. So there's so much happening. And, um, yeah, I think for a lot of people are like oh, cool, where do we start here? Like, yeah. even if I want to touch it, mm -hmm. what's the timeline, right? Yeah. yeah. So, and I love this question because I think that it's so valuable for people to know, like, okay, this sounds like a roller coaster. But when you really spread it out and you think about it in terms of like seasons, I always, I like to say our relationship is like a seasonal menu, you know, it shouldn't be just like prefix one size fits all. It's like when we first started doing this, we were creating trust, safety, security agreements, you know, or boundaries and people think of it as boundaries. I don't love the word rules. Um, but in the beginning, we would try things together. We were mostly seeing, you know, other women. And then it would, we like opened it up to like, let's having a third be a man, which we both found out like we loved. And, um, and a lot of people always ask, well, you know, is Pasha like flexible? And he's like definitely heterosexual, but loves watching me be pleasured by another man, you know? Um, and so we did that for a couple of years and everything was always under the, the umbrella that it would bring more into our relationship. You know, we knew we were committed. We knew that we wanted to be together, build a life together, eventually have children. Um, and so we would meet really amazing people, you know, whether it be on fields and then sometimes it was like organic. And then eventually there were some like peripheral friends, which we had the agreement and kind of the hard boundary of like no friends. It was like my thing. And then we were like, wait, but our friends are amazing. I'm like, why am I limiting myself? You know, our friends are beautiful and incredible people. Um, 
you know, we had a lot of experiences at Burning Man. And eventually, I think once we had our footing and we had this trust and we had safety and we had worked through any jealousy that came up in our experiences together, that's when we opened up to having solo experiences. And it was also a necessity because at the time my husband was working a ton, like overworking, traveling. Um, he used to play poker professionally. And so he was also, he's very public about it, was, you know, taking a lot of Adderall that he was prescribed from his early 20s. And so his sex drive was not there. Our relationship was, you know, in a place where it was in survival mode a lot of the time. And we just knew that sex was on the back burner. And he was very open. He's like, I think you should date while I'm gone. Like, I don't want you to be waiting for me. And it was a bit scary because I was like, is this a test? You know, I think coming <laughs> yeah. from yeah. my sort of jealous culture that I grew up in, it was like, is, am I going to be in trouble for this? And also I was like, is he doing this from a place of like, he wants to actually hurt himself subconsciously? Yeah. Um, those were thoughts that I had. And those were like real concerns. I also realized in that process that I never dated men from a confident, empowered place. Because the first time that I started like going out, I would like meet a guy on field or like in real life. I was going these dates and I was like shaking like a, like a little schoolgirl. And it, it had me realize that I never gave myself the opportunity to date. I was sort of in, you know, whether it was in college and like whatever guy would just show interest or choose me, I would date them, which is awful to think about because I don't even know who that, you know, that girl was now. And so I almost like grew up as a sexually confident woman in this relationship with my husband, mm. which is crazy to think about that I needed this very safe, beautiful container where he was sort of the first person that that courted me because I said no, because I'd just been in this long relationship that went really bad and I wanted a lot of single time. So he was very persistent and like, I want to date you, not just like have this, you know, hookup that we have that's amazing. And so it was in our time apart, you know, three years in to our relationship and, you know, only like a year and a half into our marriage where I started dating men and women. And it was terrifying. And for like the first year, I was a baby about it. But then I, I gained my confidence that way, which I like love thinking about those years because I didn't give myself that opportunity. I was a serial monogamous for monogamous for like so long. Um, and then we hit some points in that like opening and exploring with new people that brought up new feelings of jealousy. Um, I definitely, I had some trouble. I, I'm very turned on by the idea of Pasha being with other women and then getting to hear about it. Like it's a huge turn on for me. Um, I love the way it feels in my body when I know I'm not there. Yeah. Um, but there were certainly moments where I felt inadequate and I worked on why I didn't feel enough, why I didn't feel safe. Um, but I had done so much personal development work that I was like, this is about me. So he's a trigger, but I'm welcoming that trigger. I don't want to avoid my jealousy. I want to like uncover it. So I'm not feeling it anymore. Um, and same with Pasha, I think because we're very different people and we have very different needs and interests, we started to realize that we would be attracted to these people that the other person couldn't really fulfill. And so for us, it, then it was getting comfortable and realizing that that was a good thing, mm -hmm. that putting pressure on each other to be each other's everything 
was like not smart. I'm very artsy and very flowy and very airy. And so like I was teaching yoga on retreats and like meeting men who were also spiritual and musicians. And my husband's like very analytical. He's very calculated. He's an entrepreneur, um, you know, real estate investor. And so I was getting this like travel bug need filled. And at one point it was really challenging for him. And he was like, almost felt like he was losing me. And this happened while we were apart from each other for six weeks. And we closed our relationship because of it, because it was like too much, too fast. And there wasn't, you know, enough conversations around it. We also, you know, you'll get to these points when you're being open where you don't know something to trigger until it happens. Right. And the beauty of it is you don't make the other person wrong for that. You just like, sometimes you don't see, you know, the obstacles in the road until you run over them. Right. Um, and so I think actually it's healthy. And I would love people listening to know that closing your relationship and stepping back and reflecting and processing is one of the healthiest things you can do. It's likely going to bring you closer. It's going to be a beautiful point that you'll look back on if you do the work, like if you commit to doing the work. Um, And so in the times that we've closed for those reasons, or, you know, some of the other reasons that we've closed, or if we don't feel like we're spending enough time together, if we haven't been really intentional um, in creating like love and spice and all of that in our relationship, we'll take a moment. We'll be like, Oh, you know what? We're not at a hundred. Let's like turn back inward. Um, because at the end of the day, we still have that agreement that other people that come into our relationship, we always want them to enhance our connection. Even if it's a partner that Pasha's never going to meet, you know, never going to hang out with, um, we still want it to add some value to our own container. And so I think that like covers a lot of, I think, why opening and closing and um, we always just call it seasons mm-hmm. um, because you're different at every different point in your life. Like I launched my own business two years ago and completely stopped dating. Even while I had a full-time third partner, like she's definitely, well, she's my business partner too. So it's helpful, but um, for people to realize that there was a big chunk, like almost a whole year where sex was like the last thing on my mind a lot of times. And so when people hear non-monogamy or polyamory, um, especially if they've never experienced it, they tend to over-sexualize it. And mm-hmm. it's funny, I always call myself the most boring, you know, polyamorous person you'll ever meet by, by like culture's, you know, standards of what polyamory right. actually is. Um, but yeah, I think if you can look at the challenging times as an opportunity for growth and learning and an opportunity to get even closer to your partner and know them more and hold space for them to look at their uncomfortable emotions and sit in them until they expel, because that's what will happen if you sit with an emotion long enough, then this wave, this like roller coaster can be wildly beautiful Mm -hmm. and calm at times, which is really nice. I have a confession. I ran out of everyday dose. And before I could get my refill in, I went back to coffee for about a week. (sighs) One day around noon, I sat having a conversation with Jordan and I felt a wave of anxiety wash over me. The conversation wasn't particularly challenging. I think we were just chatting about some things happening in the business. And I remember placing my, my hand over my heart and taking a few deep breaths and a little light bulb going off. Whoa, could this be because of the coffee? (sighs) 
I looked up at Jordan and I said, I need your support in kicking the coffee for good, good. It's not serving me. And even if it's not the cause or the source of my anxious feelings, it's not helping anything. And it's quite possibly even exacerbating it all. So we agreed. No more coffee for Lex, no matter what. It's hard, y'all, to even say that out loud. I have loved, capital L-O-V-E-D, my morning coffee for years. And to say goodbye is so sad. Good news, though. My everyday dose arrived literally the next day, and I was reminded why I love it so much and why it's seriously the perfect replacement. I still get to have my morning cup of something warm and delicious. Only now it's a third of the caffeine as compared to a regular cup of coffee, plus mushrooms and adaptogens to help create sustainable energy in my system. I'm much more pleasant in my relationship and my day-to-day life when I choose to do what's best for my nervous system, my digestion, and my physical and mental health. Everyday dose is definitely in the category of what's best. Now, not everyone is like me, but some of you listening are. So for those of you who could stand to kick the coffee habit with me, you can try Everyday Dose by going to everydaydose.com. Remember to use the code THATSEXCHICK for 20% off at checkout. And because I know you're going to ask, here's my personal recipe. One tablespoon of dose, two ounces of hot water, blend, add five drops of liquid stevia, the vanilla is my favorite, and then on top, eight ounces of frothed three seed almond milk. Now, my extra bonus is a sprinkle of a little stevia powder across the top of the foam. It's my fave. Enjoy my loves. Everydaydose.com. So good. <sighs> it's a really nice story. And I'm still oh. so curious about so many other pieces of it. <laughs> All right. Well, let's go. <laughs> so good. Thank you. Um, so there is a, a part in that that I just want to, I think, share just a little bit more on whenever we, whenever you mentioned the, the swingers and orgy culture and all that. I just want to loop back around to that and just say, I've worked with many people who are in the lifestyle and, and I've discovered some things over time about certain aspects of that kind of culture that for some people it really works. And for some people it's like this wild and crazy and, you know, this fuck fest and it's a lot of sport fucking and it's a lot of like, just like dressing in this particular kind of way and going to these particular kind of events. And it has like a certain kind of vibe to it. And that really is sexy and hot and awesome for a group of people and um, the people that I usually wind up working with are people who are in that world. They've hard swung the pendulum from, I'll even just go Mormon because I've had I've worked with now a number of people who are in the lifestyle that were previously Mormon. Wow. So like hard pendulum swing the other way and then oh. go, this was a lot and I don't know what to do. And kind of trauma from one side and then swing it in the other direction and then kind of create almost trauma in in the name of like, I'm breaking free and I'm having my experiences and I'm going to have this cake and eat it too. And my kids are growing up and you know, that, which is very an interesting, like, how do you find your way back to the middle and trust yourself and like unravel a lot of, uh, just a lot of the box that they'd put themselves in for the vast majority of their lives, which is, which is challenging. And for most of the people that I work with, they've typically been working with therapists for a long time too. 
And so and I just get to help them really make the most out of what they really, truly want. So what are you trying to achieve here? What are you really wanting to achieve here? And then how do we make the most out of it? And then there's a couple of people that I've worked with that um, have entered lifestyle, not necessarily from Mormon backgrounds, but have said, okay, well, this was hot and, and sexy and all these things when I first got into it. And now it is just as monotonous and predictable as my marriage that was pretty much sexless for X amount of time and and all of that. And so it's it's I think really important just to continue with the the novelty piece and whether you're polyamorous and in multiple long-term relationships or or dating and married and all those things that there's still going to be that drive for new and novel and adventure and also safety and security and all those things. And so really what I want to highlight out of out of all of that, which I shared a little bit more about the whole swingers thing than I than I originally thought I was going to, but what I really want to highlight out of all of that is on a case by case, relationship by relationship, individual basis, what is right and true for you in those seasons? You know, mm. what is right and true in those consistent check-ins? And so what you and your husband originally agreed to or originally figuring out is not where you find yourself, or not where you found yourself, I imagine, six months to a year in to several years in. And so, and then at some point you said, you know, you got to a place where you're like, I have to, you know, some kind of calling. It's like a duty of sorts to share about it because it's not just, I want to make everyone around me non-monogamous, but I would like for everyone around me to really consider is how they're living their lives, a choice, an intentional choice that they have made because they are well-informed to at least a degree about like what the options are and they have enough of a connection to self to go, I do want to try this or maybe I don't, that's not for me. So I would love to hear a little bit about kind of that transitioning into being open because I think that's another piece of all of this that is really scary for a lot of people um, is if I decide to do this with my relationship or with my life, then there's maybe no turning back. And what do I, what does it mean of me? And who am I on the other side of this? And then what if I really like it? How the fuck do I share this with the people that I care about? Right. So many questions. I've asked myself all of these questions and I've gotten so stuck and so stunted by so many of these questions that it kept me from really knowing myself deeper. And so to people listening, like those are such valid fears because that's like what's pre-programmed, Right. What does this mean about me? What is this going to say about me? And what are people going to think? I think is like, those are just some of the basic questions that we grow up with. And so for me, I was terrified to like step into the open ring because monogamish felt really safe and it felt mm-hmm. sexy. And um, it's funny, you, you, you mentioned like the, the, you know, swinger culture and that. And so we did that. We were like, once we had a couple of threesomes, we were like, let's go to a lifestyle party, 500 people there. And I was like, this is so overwhelming. And now after not doing it for years, we did it like five or six times. Then we had some great experiences. It wasn't all bad, but now I'm like, okay, actually I want to go to some sex parties now. So it is really about seasons. And to come back to your question, like, if you can look at it like the long game and realize that the choice that you're making in this moment right now really doesn't matter, the experience itself could be beautiful. It could be terrible, could be somewhere in the middle. It's just an experience. Mm -hmm. 
But what really matters, and I think what hopefully gives people comfort is the main event is the aftercare, is the conversation, is the dissecting. Did we like this? Did we not like this? And that's what I grew to realize was actually the spice of our relationship. Um, And so for people who get really worked up around like, if I do the thing and it's terrible and now I'm like, now I feel like I'm stuck in this realm of we're open and I don't know how to close it. You always have, you know, your independence, your autonomy, like you choose you first, even if you're in a committed partnership. Um, I would hope that, you know, men, women, everyone in between are getting to a place where their relationships, you realize that they're meant to serve you and serve the other person. And then you're serving the relationship, like in the middle, because you're both choosing yourselves first, like you're whole and complete on your own. And so I think exploring polyamory or exploring open, it's just an invitation to constantly check in and process because sure, there's so much fun and there's a lot of highlights and the experiences are great, but then they're just experiences if you don't integrate them. Mm -hmm. And the integration is where it's like, okay, did we like that? Like, what do we want to do more of? And you take the best of each relationship or each experience, each like mini relationship that happens. And that's how you build what you want in your future. And that's how you're in the driver's seat of this relationship by design. And I think if you can come from that place, it's a lot less scary and and make that commitment with your partner. Or even if you're like solo poly or you're solo open and you're dating um, to know that the people who come into your life that you want to spend more time with to set them up for success and know that after we, we have a play party, whether it's, you know, six people, 10 people or three people, I want to talk about what we liked and what we didn't. And I learned so much from the kink community with that of like the aftercare, the breakdown. And then, you know, you take what you didn't like off the table and then you implement more of what you did. And so I I think in like an actionable way for maybe couples, because that's my experience and what I can really speak to, who want to open, say you go on a date with a girl. You're like, okay, great. We met this girl in fields, found her. She's amazing. Um, and we went, you know, to a bar, we met, we like all came home together, even though it was the first time we did X, Y, and Z. And I really liked it. But some of these things I didn't really like. And then the next morning you can talk about it together. You can talk about it all three of you and say, you know, um, this is what I'd like more of. I didn't realize I would like watching so much, you know, which might be the scary thing. I didn't realize that I would enjoy, you know, sitting back for 20 minutes and watching this other scene happen. And I want to do more of that. And then you realize like, I really like voyeurism, you know, like whatever it is. Or you can say that part made me feel really excluded. Right. And so you can tell your partner, I can tell my husband, I would like less of that next time. You know, let's drop that down to I'm always on the bed with both of you. And maybe I can step back for a minute or two to like catch my breath, but I always want to be involved. And so then you can really curate each experience and create the best and the best and the best, like taking away those little breadcrumbs each time. And before you know it, you're like in this realm of being in the driver's seat of your own pleasure and of the way your relationship looks in your own version of of open or poly or whatever it is. Yeah. Amazing. And then... The piece where you start to share, where you started to share 
this unfolding for yourself and for your marriage. What was that like sharing with people that you care about that didn't know that this was going on behind the scenes? Yes. Um, I'm glad you brought it back to that because I was like, there's something else I wanted to like, <laughs> talk about. Um, you know, I've been really lucky and I always, I always like have to preface that my family has been so supportive, but I worked it up in my mind that they were all going to be hurt by this. And for years I didn't tell them because of that. And when I did finally tell my parents, they were like, okay, cool. Like <laughs> my mom is still really funny. She'll still bring it up and be like, I just don't understand. Like if you're in love and you like want to be together forever, like, why do you want to have sex with other people? And for me, I, which doesn't mean that she doesn't accept me right. or, or my other partner, like she's met Lauren, she loves Lauren. And for me, it was like understanding that just because this person who is very attached to me and who I feel very much a part of, um, isn't fully going to like be able to process this lifestyle doesn't mean that she doesn't accept me, that she doesn't love me. They're very separate things. It's just not something that she can wrap her mind around at right. this point because of how she grew up and her own limiting beliefs. Um, and in our friend community, like I just, sometimes I'm like, how is this my life? What did I do? Was I a nun? Because I have the best friends. And like, was I a nun in a previous life? I have the best <laughs> friends on the planet. And, you know, I've been going to Burning Man for, for years now. Like, I think I went seven years before the pandemic and, you know, people have their opinions about burner culture, sure. but those, that was the first group that I publicly came out to. And it was so well received. Um, I have a camp of about 160 people. Um, and we're a big family. We started, you know, I think 12 years ago with like 30 people. And What's your camp? It's grown. Um, it's called Square One. Square One. Yeah. Cool. It was called Epic for a while. And then we decided that that word became a bit pretentious over the God. years. <laughs> I was like, yeah. give Epic a chance. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> um, but I really do feel like the luckiest person. We've collected people from all over the globe and we get together and it's such a family environment. We even have the kids that come to our camp now. So good. Um, and a few of our closest friends who start sort of new, like they, like our very best friends have known for about five years. And then, you know, slowly more and more people, you know, find out. And then I, I did hook up with like a very close friend. So, you know, who's like part of our Burning Man camp. So it just became a little bit more like the buzz and people were like, you should give a talk. And I was like, uh-huh. Like where? And they're like at Burning Man <laughs> because we have an epicenter um, that we do like yoga, you know, classes in sure. sound meditation and, you know, all kinds of offerings. And so I was like, I should give a talk. I'm going to give a talk right after Austin talks about crypto. <laughs> like that's what I'm going to do. And this was back in like 26, no, 2018 probably. Sure. Um, uh, so yeah, I was like, fuck, I'll do it. So there were about 50 people in the audience and the amount of just positive feed forward and the amount of people that wanted to follow up that were like, can you write a, can you do an ebook? Like, what can you do? And the amount of like monogamous relationships that I look up to, right? We have some couples in our camp that have been married 20, 30 years that have like beautiful families and children that are never going to open up. Um, well, maybe I'm, who knows, but that came to me after and we're like, we learned so much from your talk. I can't wait to let we, we're going to talk about this and not that we're going to be open, but there are all these things that we can be doing with each other and like talking about with each other. And 
or just admitting like that we're turned on by things that we haven't spoken to each other about in 15 years. That for me was like a drug because Mm -hmm. I was like, if I can give some kind of value to people that I look up to and respect and that Posh and I like look at their marriage and we're like, we want it, that's goals, you know, for us, then I feel like I'm doing something right. And that's been the beauty of this is like, you know, we both say it and we don't think that this is right for everybody. Like I, I, I've heard you say that with your audience. It's like, but this is a choice. And when you have all the information, you can really design whatever you want. And so it was, that was like the first big step for me. And then after that, I came home and I did a couple talks on Instagram and that was like, okay, now I'm opening myself up like to the world. Um, which came with its fair share of like, you know, nasty comments and very religious crusaders who want to tell me that I'm going to hell. And it's all very interesting because it's been so, so supportive. And then there's this like little sprinkle of people who haven't been, but, um, I think what I've found and what's likely true for most people is like the majority of your people, your family, your friends, your community are going to support you. Um, they're probably not going to change their opinion of who you are. Because at the end of the day, sex, as much as it's like a big part of our lives, it's not all of who we are. And um, I think most people, once they find out that I'm polyamorous, they're like, interesting. (laughs) That's why you're such a good friend. That's why you're such an intimate, (laughs) connected person. Because I feel the freedom to not have these like weird self-imposed boundaries with like other men or women Mm -hmm. where I used to keep myself very kind of like hidden or, you know, you'd be afraid to go there with a friend, um, for fear of like sending the wrong message or this or that. And I don't have that anymore. Like having sex with women has actually deepened my relationship with most of my girlfriends, um, and healed a lot of my relationships with, with women. Um, and so I've been pleasantly surprised because I was terrified of what people would say about me, what I would think about myself, you know, um, And it's been a cause for me to, you know, like I said, unpack so much shame and realize that there's nothing underneath all that shame. Like it has no legs to stand on when you start taking it out of the box and being like, okay, people still love me. I'm still safe. Um, Because at the root, that's what you, I think we all feel. It's like, we're going to die. People find out. I, that's how I felt. I'll die. I'll die if people find out. (laughs) Um, And now I'm like, here's your picture. Here's my <laughs> Which is funny because it's not an invitation. I'm like not ta- I'm not dating. I'm not taking on any new partners. Right. But very just open about this is who I am. And eventually, I realized that polyamory is not really a choice. It's like who I am mm. as a person. Very sweet. Yeah. Jordan and I had our first group sex experience at Burning Man too. Yeah. Well, not two. I don't know if that was your first group sex, but we had it a, was. We had a big first at Burning Man also. So, oh my so gosh, sweet. I want to so, know about it. Is there well, an episode I should go back to that I don't know about? Or probably the. I wonder if we went into. We have a monogamish episode uh, where okay. we just like talked about where we're at on our journey because I think people just think that because we say we are monogamish or we're pra- like, that's, that's the the basis or the foundation of our relationship is curiosity is. Mm-hmm. And at the same time, a lot of titrating, you know, like we got close to marriage. And when, as we got closer to the wedding, I kind of, con- I can, uh, contracted maybe a couple months before 
the month leading into us, like actually having our wedding, we'd gone on a date and we were starting to play on field a little bit. And we were leaning into like, do we really want to have a relationship that is a little bit more fluid and where we're having experiences together? And so it was kind of one of, it was a little bit of a buck up or shut up kind of moment where I'm like, oh, I'm, I'm saying these things and I'm not acting, I'm not walking the talk here. And so let's explore and like see how we really feel and derive something that used to bring me so much turn on and and at a different time in life. Now I'm in this relationship. So let's see what this means for the two of us. And it was fun and it brought up a lot of conversations. And then we got close to getting married and I was just like panicked. I like contracted in a way that I could never have understood that that would happen until getting married. And at first I contracted and then I eventually like softened up and then like maybe the few days to the week leading up, um, Jordan contracted and both of us were kind of like, what are we doing here? You know, what's happening? You are not you, but you. (laughs) And so, and so freaking out here, man, freaking out here. And we've been talking about how we are each other's person and we're going to get married in our relationship from the get-go was leaning in that direction of we're going to live life together. Mm -hmm. We're going to create a family together and a foundation together and all that, even though, but before it was just spoken about kind of matter of factly, we weren't doing it yet. And then it was all of a sudden happening and we planned the wedding for a year. So it wasn't like it was like a shock or anything. And then all of a sudden the stuff was coming up to the surface. And so it was like, I don't even want to talk about another woman right now. I don't want to talk about it. I don't want to like, I just need you to focus and I need for us and our family to be like the only thing that I perceive you to be thinking about right now. I was very <laughs> overwhelmed with decision making yeah. and work and finance. And like we paid for our whole wedding ourselves. And so it was just like, there was just a lot and it, and it was pretty big. And so it was like, there's just a lot going on. So I needed mm-hmm. to know that he was not distracted by other people and all of that. And so then as soon as wedding happened, I was like, please universe show me that what I just went through is not now my forever. Like show me Mm. that I'm going to loosen up again, that I'm going to be in my body again and feeling flowy. And like, I want to connect and all those things. And I would say we're probably, you know, as we're considering starting our family towards the end of 2022, I'm, I'm very curious about like all the things that we want to do before we yeah. start that process. And will I be interested? And I actually had a conversation with Kelly on the show where we talked about being in an open relationship while being pregnant and like what that would be like. And how, yeah. what does that look like? And it's just, like you said, seasons. And it's like, oh, well, here's another, our next new thing to figure out how we feel about it. You know? Mm-hmm. And you know, like humans are, I just love this story because it's making me realize too what we're really like getting at and we're talking about is like humans need growth. Like we thrive on evolution, like basically in like the meta and all the way down to like the minute, right? Of ourselves. And so monogamous marriages don't often have room for that. And I think that's why the model is so broken. And what we're talking about is like constantly being in a state of evolution, of ebb and flow of like, yeah, when you're pregnant, you might not want your husband like sleeping with anyone else when you're nine months pregnant. And that's like totally okay when we realize that nothing is forever. And that's true for every part of our lives. So the fact that I think we're looking at it this way and we're inviting other people to realize like nothing's permanent, nothing is forever, not an emotion, not a state of being. And certainly your relationship doesn't have to be either. Um, is like the best part about being open. 
it's like not the sacks, although that's amazing. It's not all the new amazing people that come into your life, although like wouldn't want it any other way. It's the fact that you constantly get to meet these new parts of yourself that are like called out by mm-hmm. shifting and changing and being present to not only your relationship with your partner, but your relationship to yourself and honoring that. And then asking to have your needs met as they change is like some of the most valuable work that I think we can do, especially as women. I mean, men have a hard time asking for their needs to be met also, but I think in the society that we live in, it's set up to be that uh, women aren't often shown models of asking for like needs being met and like healthy ones at that. And so it's such great work and valuable practice to constantly be giving your partner opportunities to like love you better in every moment, whether that looks like an open style at, or whatever, whatever yeah. style of relationship is a, a kink dynamic, you know, power dynamics um, and, or nothing or vanilla sex, yeah. which yeah. I've craved sometimes and wanted for an extended period of time. And so, yeah, just like the space for growth and mm-hmm. blossoming is like really what this is all about as like we evolve as humans. For sure. And this like this permission, which is a self-signed slip, mm-hmm. I can change my mind. Yeah. I'm going to go ahead and give myself permission to be curious, to explore and to change my mind whenever it's time for me to change my mind. <laughs> yeah. Um, Cause that's, that's inevitable at some point it will shift and it will change. So I would love to, cause I, I feel like I could just continue having this conversation. It's really juicy. It's very relevant for me. And, and I know I, I don't necessarily want to just keep you recording for your entire day here. So <laughs> well, I'll have to come back whenever. Yeah. Yeah. So I just, I want to highlight really quick what can people look forward to? Because we've spoken a little bit about like the pitfalls and some of the jealousy and the challenges and opening and closing and contracting and expanding and all that. So it's been a nice balance and really have hit the hit the the concept home or the idea home that it's what you make it. So be proactive in it. Be an active figure in the dynamic unfolding and creating this relationship and sex uh, that you that you desire, that you design. And so, of course, like part of coming up with what do you desire is understanding yourself, which is a, a journey in and of itself. Like it's an exploratory mm-hmm. journey because how can you know what you want if you don't know what's available and you don't know what you don't know? And so it's it's big. So I plant that seed with you. If you know you want more, but you don't know what the more is and you don't know how to get it, then that's why people like Jessica and her brands and her show exist. Why this show exists is to help showcase what is possible. And you just decide what's the little thread that the little path that I'm going to go down and maybe, you know, figure it out and, you know, maybe go back to the beginning and go, I don't like that way. I'm not going to do that one and maybe go somewhere else. So I would love to highlight a little bit about, um, what you've experienced have been some of the highlights and specifically sexual highlights. Cause if you went from a more monogamous relationship and then eventually shifted it into open or monogamish and then poly, what have been some of the things that maybe you got to experience because you made that shift versus what you could have perceived your relationship to just go, you know, if you were to have kept it closed and were to have kept it monogamous you know, you, things that you've experienced, let me see if I can phrase this, bring it home. Things that you experienced that you felt like maybe if you would have kept it the way that it was, you wouldn't have gotten to experience. Yeah. Oh my God. I love this question. Such a great question. 
it's interesting that you were talking about like changing your mind and like going, going back and forth. Um, because I feel like I got so much practice in that, that that translated like into the bedroom. And there's, there's two things that stick out for me. One is I feel like threesomes have made my husband and I such amazing lovers. <laughs> like if I want to toot my own horn for a second, it's like having a third person in the bedroom has caused so much slowdown, so much ability to step into being like the ultimate giver, but also the ultimate receiver because it's been very uncomfortable for me to sit in a state of fully receiving without feeling like I need to give something in the same moment sure. or like immediately after. And with a, th with a three-person dynamic, there's so much room for like breathing. There's so much room. I mentioned earlier, like sitting back and watching, um, watching my partner develop as someone who I think a lot of men get, you know, very intimidated by the idea of like having to satisfy two women. And if they say they're not, they're, they're likely lying because they think that's on everybody's minds of like performance anxiety. Um, and so like watching him step into being like a really capable, confident, you know, at, and even if he was in the beginning, like years later, it's like, okay, I can take my time and I can sort of direct the scene if I want to. And then for me to be like, I'm going to have two people focused on me at the same time, which is going to feel overwhelming. And it's going to bring up a lot of emotions for me. I'm going to want to leave my body and get into my head about this. And so the practice of like staying in your body during sex and to be looking for places to like add where there's already the penetration happening is, has been like, has made the best sex of my life. Like um, I think, you know, for people listening, most of us equate sex to penetration and, you know, if they're listening to your show, they know better at this point. <laughs> um, but if you're newly listening and, you know, hopefully you're realizing that there's so much that can happen. And with three people, once you sink into getting out of the uncomfortable emotions or the anxiety or jealousy that might pop up, it's like, there's so much to play with. And it opens Pandora's box of pleasure um, in taking your time, in using your breath, in like watching, in picking up new things from new people. Because obviously when you're, if you're having sex with the same person for an extended period of time, like you're going to fall into a routine. It's just human nature. Um, and so the amount of variety, but also connection that has happened, um, it is the... <laughs> the first time that I got really into like eating ass, um, because it was just like, Oh, what am I going to do? Like they're having sex right now. I've like played with her boobs a lot. Like we've been out a ton. <laughs> and then I found out that my girlfriend like, really loves it. So I'm like back there all the time. And like, I love it. Whereas before I'm like, I don't really want to do that, you know, but this yeah. was such an opportunity for it. Um, and I've like gotten into personally, I was always terrified of like anal play terrified. And we tried it very early on with my husband. And when you say like, you can always change your mind, like six years later, I was like, I think I'm ready to do that again. Because for a while we had gotten into a more comfortable, um, like consistency, which I was really craving. And I was like, I don't want to do this the way I did it in the past. Cause I did it with an old boyfriend and it was terrible. And then I think my husband and I did it one night when we were drunk, you know, we hardly drink anymore, but 
back in the day and it was just not good. But this time I was like, I'm going to do all the things. I'm going to read an article. I'm going to do everything this article says. So I spent like <laughs> hours preparing. I took a bath with essential oils and music and candles. You're relaxing. Like very light. Yeah. <laughs> I was like very committed to this being a really good experience. Um, and yeah, so we start, there's like a whole warm up. You know, we don't just start with like putting it in. We use toys and like ease our way in. And I ended up like probably five minutes into like it being in, like his, you know, mm -hmm. penis being inside me. Uh, we shift positions. So then we're like, we're sitting face to face. Uh, like he's sitting and I'm sitting on his lap facing him. And it was painful, but it was like emotionally uncomfortable for me. And I was like, do I not like receiving? Do I not like, is there something that I still think that this is bad and wrong? And like, I don't want to admit that I like it. Does this make me, you know, like you right. eight years into being open, I still have these conversations in my mind where I'm like, does this make me a whore? Like, mm -hmm. so if you're thinking that those thoughts are going to just go away, they, they might never like, mm -hmm. I'm, I'm still on my journey hoping that they do. Um, but all those thoughts aside, I just kept breathing into it and I'm like, let's just be in this. I'm safe. I'm comfortable. This is my husband. He's like, are you okay? Are you doing good? Like we're checking in. And then it was just like, oh, well came up in me and I started bawling mm -hmm. and I just had this crazy release where I cried for like 10 minutes. I mean, in like a minute into me crying, it's not the first time I've cried during sex. I've had like very beautiful emotional experiences, especially with my husband. But he like after I wasn't just tears, it was like well of emotion. He was like, are you okay? Do you want to stop? And something in me was like, don't stop because you are literally unearthing like physical trauma that's been like trapped in your body. And I, I get chills just like talking about it still. And I've, not, I've never shared this like publicly. So we just kept going and I truly feel like what was trapped like in my body was such a physical amount of shame that I had stored down there. And, um, just like I hadn't done a lot of pelvic floor work and I knew that there was like some trauma and some just imposed like conversations that I've had for years that have built up. Um, and like, you know, weird sexual things from my childhood. And I just like, let it all go literally oh. through anal sex. And it was like the most spiritual experience, one of the most spiritual experiences I had ever had. And I don't think I ever would have done that if I wasn't so playful in my sex life. And I also don't think that I would have kept going. That's the beauty of this story is like when, when things in sex are like painful or uncomfortable or maybe not sex, but in like a sexual experience or encounter that feels uncomfortable or unsafe, like we shy away. But being open has taught me like, as long as you're safe physically and like um, emotionally with a partner who can hold space for you in that way, like lean into that mm -hmm. because it's likely going to be like the biggest breakthrough of your life. And a lot of my like non, not a lot, I've had a lot of non-monogamous sex that just for fun and like, you know, sex parties and, and orgies and that's all so freeing. Um, but a lot of the work that I've done in my solo play with my husband and my girlfriend, Lauren, have been so spiritually awakening, enlightening, and a cause for growth that like, I look at that. It's it's so interesting because we like, I don't think we've done it since, but it's like this time capsule of like, I know in that moment I gave up something that I was carrying that was taking up space in my body. 
And now there's just more space for pleasure. And so, yeah. (sighs) It's big. Yeah. It's so big. And congratulations. Thank you. I mean, that's, that's the human experience, right? Continuing to show up for self infallibly and sometimes not so graciously, mm-hmm. you know, like continuing to show up and continuing to show up and, and then eventually, hopefully getting to have some experiences like you shared and they come sometimes in unlikely scenarios. Like, oh, I didn't know yeah. that a little bit of animal play was going to cause me to release like lineages of shame stored in my root. or something like that and Mm -hmm. it's just um sex sexual energy sexual healing even the term sexual healing um it never ceases to amaze me what's possible and not necessarily always involving penetration of any sort but just that involves eros that involves um, an erotic edge to it or involves people naked very vulnerable unable to hide um I just, I've personally, and I've shared, I've shared a lot of my journey on the show up to this point. And, you know, I'm sure that as long as I have the show, I'll continue sharing in more or less real time as we continue into the future. But it's, it, it never ceases to amaze me what is possible in healing and growth and expansion and pleasure. Um, it never ceases to amaze me what's available in this space. Mm-hmm. So um, it's pretty... Yeah, I, I hearing your story definitely has me in my feels. Where I'm like, oh, I just I love the work that I'm. Mean, I'll say we. I love the work that we do so much, so so mm-hmm. much. Like I could cry even just thinking about it. The fact that we get to share the way that you know both of us get to share our our hearts and our experiences, and you know even hearing you describe something that so many people come up to me and they're like, so like, what's the deal with anal? And I'm like, oh, you don't even know. <laughs> I got. I have a podcast for you. First, you're gonna listen to a about 45 to 50 minutes about open relationships. And then you're going to get to the part. Yeah, That's what's available. Should you choose, you know, to go there, you know, yeah. and maybe, and maybe it will just be pleasurable. Maybe it will just be uncomfortable. Maybe it will be a, you know, a really big release. And the thing is like, each time you revisit some of these practices or exercises or scenes or scenarios, they'll be totally different. Yeah. Than the previous time. That's what's so amazing about it. It's like once you open the box, you're done. Yeah, yeah, totally. I can't unknow what I know now. Mm-hmm. So, and now it's just a matter of integration, which you were were talking about too earlier in the show. It's like how do I dis- how do I discover pieces and parts of myself? Be okay with I will not be the same on the other side of this exploratory journey, and that's great because I'm coming home more and more to myself, and mm. I trust myself. I mean, this is me now, but I definitely remember a time where I was kind of I was a little bit scared about what was happening in my life because I'm like, oh, like I feel like a spiral kind of out of control in a direction of unknown. Not that I felt like I was falling to pieces or anything, but like who I believed myself to be up to that point was so far away. Mm-hmm. And eventually I came back around, you know, that integration piece where I'm like, oh, I'm still, wow, I'm still me. And I just, I also happen to know that I really like to be throat fucked now. Cool. Yeah. <laughs> <Awesome. laughs> or like, you know, yeah. uh, I really like also playing with women from mm-hmm. time to time. Like, cool. Now I know myself more and I'm still me or yeah. I really like to be tied up and mm-hmm. I'm still me, you know? So yeah, uh, the journey, 
It's beautiful. And thank you for sharing. I mean, of course, there is so much more. I feel like there's another subject in here that's the umbrella of open relationships or having an open marriage. And then you mentioned kink a couple of times, which we don't have time to dig into that, like to the degree that I would love to dig into it on this show. But I would love to have a conversation with you in the future where it's, you know, that that in and of itself is a journey too, Mm -hmm. uh, pushing up against edges and then also involving the other dynamics and feels that can come up with also having multiple people involved and open relationship and all of that. And so um, I that's a combo that I want to pencil somewhere over as soon as we're we're done talking and like get you back on the show so that we can have that conversation because I feel like that's separate and also pretty big. Yeah, I agree. And so much to learn, I think, from the dynamic of, well, both kink and also um, what it means to like have three in a relationship because it's that's been such a big teacher too. But yes. Yeah. I didn't even get to like you. Episode. Yeah. I'm like, I didn't even get to ask you how you met your girlfriend, what that looks like today. And so to be mm-hmm. continued. Yeah. Yeah. To be continued. I think that this was really beautiful, really special. And of course, I think everyone listening knows that it's something that you continue to show up for. And if at first you're hearing this, depending on what level of feels you get, maybe you get really turned on hearing this conversation and you feel hopeful and you feel excited, or maybe you feel a little bit desperate. Maybe you feel a little bit like, well, good for them, but I could never have that. I could never have those things. Like it doesn't matter what your, your feels are. Um, my invitation to you listening is to lean into them to the degree that feels like you can manage. Cause I know for some people it's a little bit easier to lean in, you know, maybe in the more I'm excited and I'm turned on versus like, Oh, holy fucking shit. I don't want to, I don't want to get close to that. So to whatever degree that you feel you can push up against an edge and not completely fuck your nervous system up, lean into however you, whatever you're experiencing, the sensations and the feelings that you're experiencing now. And this is an invitation to gain a little more information. And so maybe some of you are like, fuck it, I'm going to get on field, which is an app that we mentioned during the show that has a lot of kink friendly people also has like people who are looking to swap partners or share or go on dates with couples and like just like all kinds of different dynamics that are available on field. And that's F E E L D. Um, and so like, maybe you're like, fuck it, I'm going to download field or maybe you're like, fuck it, I'm going to go on FetLife in the event section. I'm going to find something where kinky people are playing or I don't know. I don't know what you're going to, you know, when you actually go to an event or something, you know, um, or maybe you're just going to have a conversation with a friend or maybe just a conversation with yourself in a pen on paper and journal. So whatever, whatever feels right and true for you, then my invitation again is for you to lean in and, and do something with it. Uh, because what's on the other side of that, maybe it's going to feel like a tiny baby step, but those tiny baby steps compounded is a life of your dreams um, on the other side of it. Right. So lean into those edges, fam. Jessica, thank you so much for sharing just this like tiny little blip in your story. Yeah. Thank you for having me, Lex. It's been great. It's been wonderful. And I look forward to chatting again. Yeah. And I feel like if people cannot wait to hear another episode with you on that sex chick, then here's an invitation for you to go listen to Open Late. Yes, you can find Open Late at Open Late the Podcast on Instagram and anywhere you find podcasts. Great. And so would you prefer people to also, if they want to reach out to you, maybe they're curious about your coaching or your services, should they find you maybe on Instagram first too? 
Yeah. Um, I'm the person who that still at this point answers all the DMs. <laughs> we'll see how long that might not last longer. Um, but no, for now, for the foreseeable future, just shoot me a, a message on Instagram. Um, and my personal IG, which I also answer is journey.with.jessica. And you'll see a lot of my coaching, coaching offerings there as well. Sounds good. Yeah. Again, thank you so much for sharing your story, your wisdom, your learnings over this incredible life lived. To be continued, fam. Um, Yeah, go follow Jessica. Thanks for coming. Yeah, bye. Thanks so much for listening to today's show. If you loved it, be sure to subscribe so you never miss a new episode. And if you extra, extra loved it, make sure to leave a five-star review. I'll see y'all next week.